yes, I bought it because it looked like a stupid 80s band that I have never heard of. So Look at the, the So if if you weren't paying attention and the letters looked metal, you you'd get it you could possibly buy something that said Nambla or something. Probably. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, if you make Nambla look like the Wasp logo, I would probably buy it sight unseen. I would take one very quick glance at it. Well, I'm, I'm is very that deicide. Sorry. I don't know what that is. Deicide. Oh, super fucking pass. You know, actually, not too long ago, I tried to listen to Deicide for the very first time because, like, I know what they are and I've heard, you know, like clips. I tried to turn on one of their albums, couldn't tell you which one. I just picked a random song off a random album and went, this is horse shit. This is absolute dog shit. I, the only reason I ever um, picked up Celtic Frost is because they did a cover of Mexican Radio. Oh, the only reason I ever picked up Celtic Frost is they did a cover of Mexican Radio. They sure did. And I fucking loved it. Yeah, I thought, it's, it's off that same album that I made you listen to the song where he sounds like... Uh, David Lee Roth, the devil. Yeah, and then I'm like, I would go listen to them. And no, just no, no. Yeah, but early Celtic Frost fucking rules, though. It probably did, but the stuff I listened to, I'm like, oh, dear. Uh, No, like their first two albums, uh, <clears throat> they sound just like early metal. Mm-hmm. Like early metal metal. Oh, like the good like stuff. Like Venom. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Because <clears throat> guess what came up on my feed the other day, speaking of metal? Venom? Saxon. Saxon. Hey. And I hadn't thought of them in years. And Yeah, why would you? I forgot how good they were, dude. Yeah, they're fine. No, they're real fucking good metal. I uh, The only thing that I kind of don't like about Saxon is they are, how do I say, they're almost like Iron Maiden. They have a lot of songs that are like grandiose. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I can't do that. I like the stripped-down, motorheady. Just play it fast, man. Just or, play it fast. And I, I know they do. Yeah. I know that they do, James, before you come at me with, they have this song. No, no. I know. However, there are times when I go, man, this song's really long, and the beginning of it was really cool, and it has been going forever. <laughs> mm. I think for a stroll down memory lane, though, it, it hit the spot. It hit, you know, it scratched that itch. I didn't even know I I didn't even know I had that itch and I'm like, "Oh, Saxon. Thank yeah, you." It's like, yeah, every once in a while and it, it's no surprise, but like, "Oh, that's right, Dio." And mm-hmm. I'll just sit and listen to like two or three Dio albums and be like, "God, that fucking ruled." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the lucky thing for me too is that because I work with a lot of young people, I tend to I'm not I'm I'm up to date. I'm probably all the stuff the newest stuff I listen to is like 2010. But it, it makes me get nostalgic, and then when I hit that nostalgia button, it means something. Instead of you know how you always re, replay the same stuff you listen to when you're 20. Yep. Well, because I continue to try to listen to new stuff, that stuff from when I was 20 hits even better because I don't listen to it all the time anymore. So let's say, but then again, sometimes you have the very much the opposite reaction, mm-hmm. where I tried to maybe a year or two ago, two at the most. I tried to re-listen to Lou Reed's Transformer. Mm. Went, man, this really isn't good, is it? This is really, really bad, actually. You know, much like everything else that Lou Reed did. I find that um, with Lou Reed, it's when he when he tries the least, I like his songs the most. <laughs> yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. Stop putting effort in Lou Reed. Yeah, because your your best shit is when you're not trying, dude. Yeah, he's wicked dead too. So who oh yeah, but he married Lori fucking Anderson. I again, I don't care. I know, but big fan of. Is that a need to hear him kind of sing like Bob Dylan, <laughs> but bad because he's trying to sound strung out? <laughs> yeah, I like after thirty seconds of that, I'm like, God damn it, that is plenty of Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, should we just get to, I don't have a good segue. Fuck no, it. we don't need one. No, let's rock and roll. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Horror Vomit, the real one, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Faff, and I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino. I'm the other one of your hosts. I don't know why I did that. Fuck you for but, making me start with that energy, Oh, man. but it got real, uh, real ramped up, and, uh, I am very happy about this, James, because we're back to movies. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, you wanted to make something very clear since we are back to doing movies. So mm-hmm. if you would like to do that, now, your public service announcement now. Absolutely. Um, first of all, like the, you know, state of the record that neither Chris nor I are a member of any unions and we are trying to stand in solidarity with both the writers and the actors and now the, um, like all the uh, effects people are on strike now too. Are well, they on strike? Uh, last I knew they, they were just unionizing. I, but, yeah, they were unionizing to gear up to strike is what I'm understanding. Well, I, that was what yeah. I took from it as well, however. Yeah. But when I started reading into this, um, the, the laws regarding us reviewing films, that really doesn't touch us. The laws regarding people who are in the union and reviewing films is an entirely different, which was what I was looking for. I was trying to see if we could do it as what we were doing. And the bylaws are very difficult to understand for the layperson. So just know that the movies that we choose are, to the best of our knowledge, not affecting this. And any mistake we make, you got to understand, we can't hire a lawyer to find out if what we're doing is okay or not okay. Again, we're not breaking any laws, but we are really, really trying to show our solidarity. So any mistake, again, that made is just because it was a misunderstanding of the things that I'm continuing to read on. And... uh I, I don't think it will affect us too much because generally speaking, what we will be doing until these strikes are over are strictly indies, foreigns, and classics. I'm saying anything made before like 1980, even mm-hmm. really. So we're not touching any big studio films. We're not going to be fucking around with The Nun 2 or any of that horse shit. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really affect us much because that's generally what we do anyway. Mm-hmm. Is just little tiny films. And speaking of, James, mm. this week we are talking about the 2011 Thai film, the 2011 found footage possession Thai film. Oh, it's, a, it's Thai South Korean. Yeah, Thai South, made by South Koreans entirely in mm-hmm. Thailand. Yeah. Either way, the medium. Oh. <laughs> Oh, this is going to suck for me, buddy. Well, before I say this, this movie wasn't medium. It was well done. Ah, so written by... It has three different writers. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try here. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, Chen, Chantavit Dasevi? <laughs> you want uh, me to try it? Written by Na Hong, Na Hong Jin. And written and directed by Banjong Pisanthang Akun. So I, I hope. I'm trying here because we do want to uh, credit these people mm-hmm. no matter how badly I pronounce it. It's the thought that counts. When you watch it, and we hope you watched it before this. Or in fact, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. So This will be better. Starring, oh boy, <laughs> Norelia uh, Gulman Kolpek. As Mink, uh, Sawani Atuma as Neem, and Sirani Yankitikin as Noi. Oh boy. I, I apologize to everyone, but I'm doing it anyway because fuck you. Hey, James. Mm-hmm. Hey, James. Mm-hmm. Old uh, Jambalaya Jim. Yes. You sweetheart of a man. Teehee. I haven't gotten to ask you this question in a very long time, and I'm excited. Uh-huh. Hey, James. Yes? How'd you like the medium? Fucking love this movie. Yep. <laughs> I. Wow. Again, it, thank you. Because usually, I remember when we first started, it was always, fuck you for making me watch this. But I appreciate the curation that you're showing. When, we, when you pick these movies, you can tell there's thought thought into the process it, it wasn't like you just yanked this out of your ass what's next on netflix or what's no, next on generally TV? speaking that only happens with classics when we do very old movies i'll mm-hmm. just go oh, that looks fucking weird <laughs> yeah but but again it, it's a curation of a theme there's themes you know there there's styles there's there's a whole lot behind this so it, it really 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 adds to it but my god this movie wow i don't even know where to fucking start so uh, I, I have a place to start. Okay. Um, I, I do want to say off the bat, I really, really like this movie a lot. However, I'm, I'm going to kind of talk some shit about it, but I think it is valid criticism, regardless of how much I like this. And the first thing that I wanted to start with, James, mm-hmm. what is the importance of, I guess, creativity 
versus like originality. Because let me elaborate. There is not a single original thing in this film. It is all the tropes, all your found footage, Mm -hmm. possession tropes. Every single thing that is in this film I have seen before. Mm -hmm. So how does that weigh doing something new versus doing something that we have seen a hundred times before, but executed almost perfectly? I think it's amazing because if we think about it, let's say, for example... Let's say tomorrow we decide that we are finally going to make a movie. We're going to fucking do it. All of a sudden we got cameras and camera rigs and we got some lighting. Now we have to think of a few things. There's only so much talent at writing that I have. There are only so many ideas that I can, you know, conceivably come up with. So one, I need a story. I have to rely on somebody else in the story. I either have to purchase a story, hire somebody to write me something, okay? Um, so I'm limited. So let's say I have a story that's a good, solid story, but it, like you said, it's been done before. The only way to create, to make art, is to be creative with it, to do as much and to do a dead, solid, balzan fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and I, I, I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again, the limitations forcing creativity. Um, limitations dictating art. You know, um... True art comes from being able to create from what you have, from be it from your mind or on a page or visually. So I find that creative the creativity has got to be one one you know one of especially in directing because it's a visual medium. The creativity is just about everything. Yeah, because like I said, almost all of the scares have been done before, and I don't. What I'm saying is not something kind of like it. Like, I mean that exact thing. Mm-hmm. They lifted a lot of just straight up ideas, but they're, they're slightly different, but executed just absolutely flawlessly at every turn. And that's what like really draws me into this film because with it being a documentary style, to be able to do some of the things that they did is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. But also, I, I do want to point this out too. This movie is two hours and ten minutes long. The it, only reason I stopped this movie at all is because I was either interrupted or I was so disturbed that I had to stop it for a moment because I was just like, <coughs> it was a little too much. So I would say, honestly, if we're talking about it, the one thing that I would absolutely get rid of is the night vision footage. Because that is a good, solid, what, 10-minute chunk of this film? Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the... Okay, well, how far can you go with leaning on every single trope? Mm -hmm. Because they do. There is not a speck of original, like, oh, that's something that I never would have thought of that could happen. It's all been done. And done a lot Mm -hmm. every single one of them but uh, so uh, i want to start with the uh the one that really got me is before we go any further though i'd add to that particular thought because we mentioned it earlier okay there have been some movies where we said oh it looks like they just threw up the most horrific shit and they had set piece set piece set piece set piece and why it's like shooting a fucking music video why are we you know there's no rhyme or reason for it this movie made everything organic, okay? So every scare, even though we'd seen it before, follows in a natural progression. And it is true to its own nature. It's true to its own movie. Exactly. It's executed flawlessly. There's and not just, yeah. in, not just in camera, like with the effects. I mean, that's what everything leading up to, the story in general, it's all executed Fucking perfectly. Because the one, remember, I remember when I text you, like, fuck me, they got the dog. Yeah. But that would have been horrific in and of itself, but it speaks back to another part. Remember when they talked about the other couple having the illegal dog meat stand? Yep. Boiled their dog. So it was fitting within itself. Mm hmm. It made sense within the movie. It wasn't just gratuitous, hey, let's fuck up a dog, because that is terrifying. And it set up the next scare when the kid went missing. 
Yep. Everything they did in this movie made sense to the conceit of the film. Let's say, but I, just for example, I wanted to use just one of the scares, and it's one that's really, really good. It might be my favorite in the entire film. Mm. It's when they are in Mink's room, and she's possessed out of her fucking gourd. Mm. So Nim, I believe, runs and grabs the what uh, the like rope or yeah. whatever that they're using, whatever ceremonial thing that they're using in their culture. Couldn't tell you what it is, but mm-hmm. it looks like a long white string. Mm-hmm. She wraps it around her head and puts her finger in a cup of water. Mm-hmm. Now we have seen like black stuff exude from people, you know, as the visual representation of evil. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything look this good before. I know. And the way they got that glass to shatter while she had her finger in it is fucking perfect. Again, just visually on the screen. While this entire time, she's doing the exorcist thing where she's saying things about, that no one else could possibly know but a demon. Mm-hmm. You know, It's the, your standard possession thing. But when they get to the part where Nim shoves her fingers down her throat and makes her throw up, and she throws up black. Mm-hmm. Here's what I really appreciated about that is that it's not just solid black. It doesn't look like tar. Right. It looks like watercolor. It yeah. looks like something that came out of a human being. Yes. And that's what makes it so goddamn good that I can't look away. Because we, we take a look, and we've talked about this a hundred times, like the um, the blanket effect in that one movie or the other movie where that girl leaned down over the bed and you weren't expecting it. Simple, well Mm -hmm. shot, well thought out pieces. So you could have shown possession a thousand ways, but to show, to show a little black in there and then to show the glass shatters, ridiculous to put the thought again, to show this is human. This is all grounded. Everything that we saw looked like it was grounded in some form of reality. Yeah. That's the other thing that I wanted to get to is, while there might be spiritual beliefs happening, visually on screen, there's no, like, magic. Mm. It, it's not like somebody transforms into whatever, ever. Mm. They're it's, still human at all times. Exactly. It's just straight-up possession of their bodies. And that's one of the things that I think makes it, again, so goddamn terrifying. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to the themes of this movie. Cheese and rice, there's so many of them. I love... I love, again, a, a lot of the foreign films that we've had, especially the Indonesian, the uh, the Thai, the one where they have very rich shamanistic traditions, very rich, different ways of storytelling. Um, this movie has so many layers, and you could watch it once as a, a treatise about shamanism versus Christianity. You could take a look at this as... You know, a treatise about um, sick families. We could take a look at this about um, the effects of the effects of the future because of dictators. There's so many themes here, and they're played throughout the movie. It wasn't like we we'll just talk about this a little here. No, they're all in-depth themes that are mentioned several times in the movie. And by the time you get to the end in the very last scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, we will. You, you oh, bring God. it. As the very Fucking last gut punch, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it brings up the, well, grifters, religious grifters as well, because, I mean, we never really see much out of, is it Nim? Yeah. Yeah, but we never see anything. No, other people around her seem to have these uh, shamanistic power. Anyway. Yeah. So where do you want to start then? Uh, I guess we could give a brief... A brief synopsis. A girl gets possessed. Yeah. I mean... Oh, okay. I, what, what do you want? Nah. I just wanted to throw you under the bus and see what happened. It didn't yeah. work. It's a fucking possession movie. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. I, I know... One of the things that I've seen before, too... I don't know if you've ever seen, like, actual faith, faith heal surgery. Uh, surgery, no where they remove the bad things from your guts and it looks like they're pulling like <laughs> disease shit out of your, your stomach. Oh no. I have not seen any of that, but you've given me a project for something to find. Or where the person takes the egg to take the sickness out. 
they're palm it with the bad egg and then when they crack it crap comes out so all of these things i've seen and so when i saw it on screen too i'm just like whoa they're they're depicting what it would be like if it were to be real instead of instead of a scam because that is part of the uh length of this film i guess is a a lot of the like the investigative investigative period that mm-hmm. you get in most possession movies where they go to doctors and they're trying to figure out what's wrong and Nim does this whole long uh, uh, ceremony oh, God, at yeah. the tree that takes like a month yeah and it's it, yeah it it all culminates and what I will say for this movie before we start getting into the themes is it may be long but the final horror sequence is about 30 minutes of nonstop terrifying. <laughs> this is another instance where patience pays off. If you're just into a movie for the gore, yep, hang on. on. No, hang out. Hang out. It's there for you. And everything that you've seen in the movie will make that gore 10 times worse. Yes. Because you've invested good, bad, or indifferent into every single solitary one of these characters. And flawed or not flawed, they have somehow made each and every, even the real fucked up people in there, somehow sympathetic. Mm-hmm. That you actually care, oh, fuck, why are they dying? You know, is anybody going to, is it going to be one of those movies? Yeah. Fuck. It's, it's real fucking bleak, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because we still don't know what happened at the no. end. I, I mean, we can infer, but the further ramifications of what happens mm. is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So I guess we can go through it because we start with Nim. Yeah. If we hear that a uh, camera crew is scouring Thailand for a look into regional shamans, mm. I guess, and they've landed on Nim, who they want to follow. And I do love the... Her honesty in the beginning, you know, I I heal people, they come to me, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But if somebody comes to me with cancer, they're going to die. Like, I'm not a doctor. You should go see a doctor. And that was something that I really appreciated them throwing in. Well, and the thing, too, is if you think about it, um, somebody in her family just recently died of cancer or had cancer, you know. and, And she's basically saying, hey, you know. These remedies are good for this, but... Our our beliefs are our beliefs, yes. However, there is medical science. You should probably listen to that. Cancer's cancer, and Uh we know what it is, and I don't have x-ray machines and fucking, you know, that kind of stuff out here. And and I appreciated that, too, because um, one of the things I was thinking about, and people talk about shamans and whatnot, but... When you're in a very dirt poor neighborhood where you can't don't have money or health care, there's always somebody, or, you know, there used to be, like as recently as the 70s, however far back that was, um, you'd know somebody that grandma could make you, you know, boil something up and you could have a tea. And a lot of these remedies actually are based in actual medicine. Some of it has aspirin in it for pain relief, that type of thing. And, um, and um, even with the... Um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Where the placebo effect? Yeah. The placebo effect works even if you know it's the placebo effect. Exactly. And it's just a thing, but there's always that neighborhood healer in neighborhoods where there are no other options. Walgreens only has so much, and you're not getting any better, and you cannot go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, we always know somebody's tia that can set your bone, that kind of stuff. And so, so that made it re- everything that they, that's why they made. Everything grounded in, re- in, you know, reality, the things that we know. And that just made it that much more intensely good. So Nim is the shaman for the goddess, the local goddess, Bayan. Bayan. And it was supposed to be her sister who was supposed to be the shaman. Mm-hmm. But she declined and it went to Nim instead. It's been in their family for generations and generations. She's like, fuck a bunch of all this. I'm going to get Jesus and get married. Thank you. Yep. Her sister turns to Christianity, marries a man, has some children. And right at the beginning, uh, Noi, the older sister who was supposed to be the shaman, her husband's died. Mm-hmm. Of cancer. Mm-hmm. And so we get introduced to Mink there and at the... Uh, reception i guess i was i kept hearing them say ming not mink 
I don't know why they kept putting mink on there. Oh, I, don't, I have no idea. But also no. with regional dialects, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to be one to uh, call oh, yeah. their pronunciation. Yeah, I'm going to. Excuse me. Uh, well, actually, it's pa- pronoun- pardon me, Taiwan. <laughs> Let me hit that. That's land, Thailand. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Anyway, excuse me, Thailand. Traditional. No, 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 that's no, that's the real American thing is to not understand <laughs> geography whatsoever. I got it right. <laughs> Regional dialect dictates. <laughs> God damn. And we're introduced to a noise daughter, Mink, who at the funeral reception uh, loses her fucking shit and starts screaming at an uncle. She's like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. And then we find her staring at an old blind woman. Mm-hmm. After the reception, local blind woman dies, yada, yada, yada. It progresses further and further. Until I know, but the thing is, when I saw the blind woman, I'm sitting there thinking, is that Bayan in a manifestation? You know, my my brain's starting to go is because we'd not seen anything really. No. We had seen local things. And again, all explainable by things that we've seen before or could have seen before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would, that's a n- nice touch. Oh, yeah. So, let me see. Uh, they... Uh, Decide to start following Mink and Noi full-time because their focus was on uh, Nim. And they're wondering about generational shamanism. Mm -hmm. Because Mink has started to show signs after the woman dies. She's staring directly at a wall and has a strange tick. She seems to be staring off into space. And in one of the most visually arresting scenes in the fucking film, when uh, her friend shows them the cell phone videos... (gasps) Of her sli- pretending to be a child, like and child, child. The other kid. Yeah, and I don't know how they filmed this without hurting that child. She shoves that little girl into you, you a You watch the wall. fucking kid bounce off the goddamn wall like a half a Hard. foot. Hard. Like, I mean, it looks like she got checked into the boards. <laughs> it's, again, I, I don't know the ethics or how they did it. I'm sure they did it safely. I'm not accusing them of anything, but... It looks like they hurt that fucking kid. It really did. And it's funny because the other extra boy, he's, you saw him kind of smiling. Yeah, he kind of breaks and is just laughing. Mm-hmm. Which I love that they kept that in too. But I mean, how the fuck else are they going to get that scene? Hey kid, what? That bad take. Come here. Uh-huh. No, that's got one take in it. <laughs> so here's where one of the things that I really appreciate because if you're doing found footage documentary style horror films... Mm-hmm. We all know that it's not a real documentary. So what they do here is really, really interesting. And I don't know if you noticed this. As soon as we start following uh, Min, or... Noi, sorry. I was going to say Good noi. God. <laughs> I can edit. I won't, but I no. could. <laughs> uh, when we start following Noi and Mink, there becomes a very, very vibrant color palette. Oh. <gasps> I didn't even realize it till you mentioned it. In their lives, there is a lot of very bright purples, very bright greens in noise interviews at the markets, in Ming's work or Mink's workplace. Bright purples when she's at the club. Very bright blues and reds. Very very vivid color scheme. Mm-hmm. And as her possession goes on further and further and further, that color scheme fades away, showing her, the her brightness and noise brightness. Fading away throughout the film. Okay, now the funny thing is that you've mentioned this. You've, you've watched this more than once now. Oh, several times, yes. Okay, so now that it's mentioned, it's like one of those little puzzles where, you know, once you know the answer, it's real obvious. Mm-hmm. Because you but know- it's subtle because, again, if you're not looking specifically for something, it added, it added to the depth, it added to the dread, it added to that anxiety... With a way that I wasn't able to put my finger on. That's another one of the many ways that they kept me interested and on edge, even with what I used to consider the boring familial parts. And I can tell that they did that specifically. That wasn't a happenstance. They put those vibrant colors there for a reason, because there is a scene where I believe it's when Mink gets fired. They show the back of her chair. On the back of her chair is a small, vibrant purple square. 
for no reason. It's just to add that color piece because there are several others in the shot. Fuck me running. And then about halfway through when she is on the float and throw like when she starts whipping candy oh. and shit at kids. Yeah. That's when that light all those colors start to fade out because that should be very, very vibrant and lit being right. a night shot, but all the colors look kind of muted. More right. muted than they did even during the and daytime. And it was kind of side-lit, so it looked almost like regular nighttime with just regular light bulbs on there, as opposed to what you would consider a normally lit for a movie scene. Exactly. And again, dangerous to kids. She was fucking hucking that candy. Yeah. The kids were flinching like shit. It, uh-huh. was, it, was, like a, it was like an Adam Sandler throwing dodgeballs at kids situation. I, exactly. And it was more than once. It was like, whack. I'd hate to be the kid. Like, if I was in that line, I'd be like to be the first kid. So, like, nobody knows it's coming. Boom. Oh, that sucked. And then I get to watch the rest of the people have that happen, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm kind of a douche like that. Yep. A little schadenfreude. So, and one of the things, too, that, like, I'm not sure how I felt about it. And it's one of the many, like, red herrings that this film deploys is... Covering up kind of her possession with her substance abuse, Mm -hmm. that whole entire part kind of bothered me because they never really kept at it. She didn't continue drinking for like most of the film. It was just, okay, well, this 15 minutes, we're going to focus on this. This 15 minutes, we're going to do this. A lot of those story elements didn't follow through. Well, see, for me, it, it seemed implied that they were continuing or they assumed that she was continuing because the incidents, the outbursts were isolated, okay? But the behavior was consistent with alcohol abuse, whether she was actively using or not. Right. So it made sense, again, within the context or the framework of this. What, if you think about the perceptions of non-addicts, if you fuck up a bunch of times and you're a consistent fuck up, whether you were drinking the entire time or not, you were drinking every time there was an issue, they assume you're drinking every day. Exactly. So again, that may within the conceit, conceit of the film, I, I, I absolutely it, it fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the other things that you wanted to touch on? Oh, because we could go through this movie, but there is so much that happens that yeah. again, there's a lot of the investigation into what is going on with her when they all kind of secretly know. Well, again, and, and that's, I won't say a comedy of errors, but, you know, a comedy of manners. You know, they're in a society, very strict, very, you know, very familial, very of the village, very lived by strict codes. And a lot is not talked about. Everybody knows what it is, but nobody can say what it is until they can try to fix it, but they can't speak to it. And that was, that was presented again well. And one of the other things, again, it, it's fine. They did it really, really well, is the idea that uh, Noi doesn't want her daughter to be a shaman mm-hmm. because she went through all of this. Her sister went through all of this. She doesn't want this life for her daughter and then takes her to a random ceremony where it, it's explained later that it was like leaving a key in a car. Mm-hmm. Anyone can drive it. And, and if you think about the possession, there always has to be a vessel for possession. And the vessel has to be either A, prepared, you know, through ritual or whatever, or B, you know, be born with the ability to be possessed. So when they did, when they said that, I, you know, I'd read many, many other stories like that. So it, it clicked beautifully. I'm like, oh, and again, they're using old tropes, but they're not using just one trope. Mm-hmm. and keeping a one-note movie. Because one of the cool things that they do with that in saying that, well, it's like leaving a key in a car, anyone can drive it. She is, it, what they explain effectively, possessed by everything. Mm-hmm. From uh, beasts to dead, uh, ve- vengeful human beings to centipedes to grass to mm-hmm. trees. To, and it's all formed inside of her to create one super demon. Yeah, I am Legion. Exactly. Like, man, she's just got a Voltron of demons inside of her. That's a whole gang of demons up in there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very interesting because uh, Mink's behavior is never consistent. It's, her, consi- her it's outbursts- consistent with the three, the three aspects that were her original possessors. Mostly. Right. 
The Old Man, The Kid, and what was the other one? I forgot the other one. Right, but it's never like, there's never just wild outbursts. They say that she's possessed by all these things, but they do keep it very, like you said, there's about three different types of outbursts that she has. Mm -hmm. And one of them is childish behavior, like we talked about. Uh, One of them is... I think an animal. Yeah, where she just attacks. And the other is the lashing out verbally, screaming, yelling at people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And again, this is all consistent with mental illnesses. At no point by this time in the movie has anything truly supernatural happened. It's been hinted at. It's been intimated. You could make an argument for, but nothing overtly supernatural really happens. Did I'm not sure if this was just a translation or a cultural misunderstanding. Did they imply that she and her brother were fucking? Oh, no, it, it is... Obviously stated. Okay, that's I, I thought so, but there was another, another few parts where the things that they said, even in the sub or the subtitles, like, well, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I was just wondering if there was like a weird translation or cultural... I, I don't know because... Differentiation that I wasn't aware of. It seemed very It seemed very obviously stated to me. I can't tell you why or why I could tell you that, but it, it, it was very, very obvious to me. Maybe they speak in the same kind of code my family speaks. And that's what, it took me a while to figure out too, that like month long ceremony that uh, she's doing under that tree Mm -hmm. where uh, the brother Mac had like killed himself and they lied about it, covered it up because it's a dishonorable thing to do, Mm -hmm. whatever. They're collecting all those gross things that she has collected from her room. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to figure out why she was cracking so many eggs into things. Is she putting each different item in the bucket and finding the scrap of cloth that led her to that factory? Yes. Okay, that's what I was thinking, but it's such a long scene. Not even scene, but it's such a long sequence of events. Because I think that's scattered in with Manit, who we haven't talked about yet, their weirdo brother. Just going in and yelling at police, which again, guys, I I love this movie, but we need to trim some of the fat here. Well, but you know, I love the idea of the tendrils to find it because if you think about a lot of the iconography, uh, the the flames that are coming out in tendrils, the the Shiva statues, the many armed goddesses and gods, and they had all that imagery, and then these tendrils coming out to find the evil, and I thought that pulled the spiritual because. At the base of this movie, we're talking about the, the different types of spirituality. So, you know, you've got your traditional, you know, for us traditional, uh, you know, Christian values. Your Judeo-Christian Yeah, Judeo-Christian. Values. And then you have the Muslim, you have the, the shamanistic. And then there's the variations of the shamanistic. And then there's you know, Buddhism. There's, you know, so many things that are even referenced in the movie as a central theme. And so... Again, they all they all kind of mix together, and I think the strings to find the evil were a very very beautiful representation of again a lot of the visual aspects of the movie. So, again, I I do want to state that there is a very long chunk of this movie that can absolutely go, because at about an hour and twenty minutes is where they start doing the security camera, the night vision security camera, and it's a countdown effectively like six days until the ceremony. And at that point, when I realized that they were going to go through every single one of these nights, it, that is a point where I absolutely start kind of tuning out. I did too. And, and again, it was because it was a countdown. If they would have maybe put it in two segments where the first night it was sketchy and kind of dangerous, but not actionable. Okay. Yes. So it went for you, and you could actually show a, an increasing of erratic behavior in one shot. So you can watch, you know, the, the squatty crab movements, the, the eating on the floor, and a few of the other things, and watch that. Oh, pr- that does have one of the best things, and I, I have a suspicion about it that I'm not sure of. There's the point where she jumps up on the table and, and squats down and pisses on the table. Yeah. And I was super wondering while watching that, like, I wonder if they just got that actress to piss on a table. I think they did. Because, I mean, 
if it's a low budget film, you'd be like, well, we have showers. Could you do this for us? <laughs> and it was, it was just very effective because it does. It looks very natural. Mm-hmm. She's just squatting down, pissing on a table while like perched on top of it. Yep. And the other thing too, and I thought it was really neat is that when you watch the physicality, what looks very difficult when everybody's squatting down and kind of on all fours, I had a buddy from Thailand and he would, he would just squat down to rest and he would hang with a squat for like 20, 30 minutes and he's not completely down on his haunches or his, his legs would fall asleep. He was actually, his muscles were set. He's been doing it since he was a little kid. He could just perch like that forever. But especially to my eyes, when, when all of the acolytes in the white shirts come up over the hill and there's not one, there's not two. It looks like there's 12 of them. Mm-hmm. And they all just come up, and you saw how bad one of them fucked somebody up. I was just like, oh, fuck oh, me running. No. That is not going to end well. <laughs> but like I said, there uh, is a, it's at least a 10-minute chunk where it's the things that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody gets out of the shower and walks up the stairs, and she emerges from the shadow under the stairs, and all we see is like kind of her glowing eye. It's like, guys... Hmm. The rest of your f- film was so beautifully done, and here's this large chunk where I just cannot, cannot care about the this. Only but way they- I can make that work where they were doing it over a six-day period is if they were making a pointed mark or a mark or like a pointed reference as to when are you a what do you call it a documentarian and when are you an active fucking participant mm-hmm. that should have gone the first day instead of the fifth day when they finally showed them some of this. Yes. Okay. So if they would have cut it down to two days, again, we, we could see them going, well, fuck, we're just, we're nothing. Nobody got hurt. Everything's okay. You know, then the second night, then they fucking did all that crazy shit that we saw that would have made that work as, and then it has to be believable as, you know, between the lighting and the infrared and the outdoor sequences is understandable. But the, yeah, the, the five, the six days of before that was, was gratuitous, I think. Exactly. And they do break it up with, you know, showing the, uh, I forget his name, the other shaman, mm. uh, Nim's friend, mm. who's, uh, she walks in and basically just starts giving him shit like, ah, you still working for these clowns? It's like, man, I got to make a living. Like, what do you want? <laughs> I love that. But they break it up with that, and they kind of break it up with Mink stealing Pong, mm-hmm. oh. Minit's baby, and oh. they find it in the woods. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it that is the part that takes way too long. Mm-hmm. But I almost kind of see their point because it's almost pumping on the brakes because they're about to unleash absolute hell on oh. us. Because when, no kidding, when you are watching this, when you pause it at about an hour and 20 minutes, you're like, yeah, they should be wrapping it up very, very soon. Oh, no. There's 50 minutes left of this, mm-hmm. and about 20 of it is kind of horse shit. And the last 30 minutes is non-stop fucking terror. And it's really goddamn good. This movie disturbed the living fuck out of me. Uh-huh. This movie is disturbing yet. It's like a car wreck. You don't want to look, but you have to look. And unfortunately, I am going to look at this again. I have said this before. I've only successfully rewatched one movie I said I was going to rewatch. I'm going to go home and watch this again because I want my wife to see this movie. I want her to sit down and I want to talk to her for an hour after this, about this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is ridiculous. I mean, they go to the point where, like you said, they boil a dog. Yeah. And she straight up murders an infant. Well, and, and, and I love how they set it up because first they showed us the dog's head in the pot. Okay? Which means, where's the rest of it? It's been eight. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Then then they go back and show how she caught the dog and punched it into the boiling pot of fucking water. And you can hear the you can hear the dog scream. It's so fucking you intense. You can seal you can 
in my uh, granted my brain filled this in you couldn't see it but i could see the dog kicking the side of the fucking boiling water pan the pan lid coming up the water coming out it was fucking disturbing first of all i give a fuck about dogs okay oh don't be like that but any animal death in a movie is taboo and that it just no and then to follow it directly with the missing fucking kid. That was brilliant because you're still unsettled, unsettled by this whole scene where this dog is stuck alive into a boiling pot of water. And you're reeling. You're like, fuck, fuck. And then the kid's missing and you're still, my head was still with the dog. Now the kid's missing. I'm like, check the fucking pot. Check the fucking pot. <laughs> check the pot. They didn't go that way. No, because they intercut uh, Noi. Or they're at the finally doing the ceremony uh, at the factory. Yep. Uh, Nim has died. Mm-hmm. So one of our main characters is dead before the climax. That threw me too, because I thought there was going to be a denouement. That thought she was going to come back and Bayan was going to come back and do some shit. Oh fuck no. No. So. She is fucking dead, and Noi decides that she needs to do whatever. So her and what is it, uh, Satit? Mm-hmm. I think is his name. I wanted to say Salat, but that's a fighting style. So they are doing the ceremony. <laughs> he effectively stabs Noi in the back of the head when she's got the uh, yeah, that was the looks like a bag over her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We see a man run full tilt into the wall like a battering ram. I know. Dude, it's so goddamn intense. And when you've already sat through a movie where you feel like, man, this is never going to end. When are they going to get to? Oh, shit, they've gotten to it, and I kind of want it to end. Because, like I said, it is at least 30 minutes of nonstop scares. And and they've paced it beautifully, because if they would have just been like a whole the raid of scares. No, they paced it beautifully, because... Then they shot, and then you look at the um, look at the uh, Salat or whatever his name was, just laying at the bottom of that pit, and the effect on that was <coughs> amazing. It really looked like a broken human. Mm-hmm. And because they've got Noi there, and they're doing the ceremony there, and they've got Mink stuck in her room mm-hmm. with seals yes. on her door, so the evil can't escape. Mm. Now, <coughs> Pang. Uh, Minit's wife hears Pong, their infant son, screaming. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the parts that bother me is they didn't bother to look at. They looked in the crib visually, but no one ever told her, hey, your baby's right here. Right. So she breaks the seal and you see the jar that the guy is working with. They cut back to the ceremony. It stops rumbling. And it and again, and it simple. immediately possesses him. Simple. Uh-huh. Fucking simple. Simple and terrifying. And. It goes, when you watch the possessions, it goes between everything you've ever seen in a possession to different physicality. They were like, okay, we've, we've done, we've shown everybody what, you know, you already know what possession looks like, but here, watch this. Hold my beer. Yep. And now, it is a real hold my beer type of moment. Again, they, they start out with the faces that you're used to seeing, the, you know, the grimaces and contortions and, and a few and- of the guttural noises. Then, Boom. And again, all with physicality. Just the movement, the alien movement and the jerkiness and the animalistic with the something not quite right. It's like the animal's not quite sure how to move in the body, but it's still a fucking animal. Mm-hmm. And when when those guys sprang to attack and you just watched, you, you could watch them pull like when they jumped, they, they showed the whole thing of the, the guy's legs extending with the jump. Like halfway across a fucking room. So you know some little martial artist dude who's sitting there. Here, let me show you. I, I can do this thing. Can we use it in the movie? Yeah, watch this. Spring. Just it fucking. fucking horrifying. It is because that's an actual human being. One of the really cool things, too, in that scene is where they aren't really entirely sure. Like, we know visually that Noi is possessed. Mm-hmm. One of the first things we see in the film is uh, uh, Nim light a whole thing of incense and place them in a holder. Mm-hmm. One of the last images we see is Noi, the one who's denied by Yan, mm-hmm. light all these incense and stick them face down into the dirt. Mm-hmm. 
putting them out immediately. So we're seeing something that we've seen before, but done it the exact opposite way. It's fucking frightening, James. Well, I know, but again, this one of the things I understand about what's wrong with me is that I have insane pattern recognition without understanding or without being able to break it down completely. I see the patterns quickly, quickly. And this movie subverted in perfect ways in almost a pattern like way. So it's subverted just enough for you to get pulled back in to get surprised with what you know is going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. And it did it amazingly. I, the amount of, the amount of editing talent, the amount of just sheer ability to keep one scene in mind at any given time, and that's all there is, and, and to have everything pay off. Every little hint. You know, you talked about red herrings, but they were still paid off. Okay, it wasn't this, but it, it, it wasn't this because of this. It, it explains why it wasn't. You know, it, so again, within the conceit of this movie, everything fits beautifully. And again, that's why I love it. We, uh, it does all the things that we love about a good movie. It takes its time. It develops characters. It allows sympathy or non-sympathy. It uh, has good writing. And it makes fucking sense. And I want to add one very crucial part for me. Hmm. Using violence correctly. Not leaning on blood and gore as a crutch, but when you need to use it, employing it absolutely perfectly. Because there are some gruesome fucking scenes in this film, but it is not that all the way through. And none of it is over the top. It, it, it made more gruesome by the fact that it was <clears throat> realistic gruesomeness. And, and, and when I say that, I'm not talking about like a blood spatter effect. Yeah. No, it's the gurgle, it's the holding, it's the look in the actress's face like as soon as I let go I'm dead. I'm probably dead anyway, but you could see the thought process on the actress while the effect was going and then the sound design with it. The the gurgle, the strangled the strangled aspirated breath through the wetness. It was right fucking there. And it was disturbing as fuck because it didn't need to, you know, spout the blood half a foot. It didn't need to have a gruesome trap. When you see a person struck and you know what that actually sounds like and that person goes down and you, you, you hear that meaty whack, that to me is by far more gruesome than, you know, you, you see uh, the mallet to the head. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I wanted to make clear that I'm not saying over the top violence isn't fun. No, like yeah. the the end of the Evil Dead remake. Oh, it's fuck yeah. yeah, absolutely go over the fucking top. Right, but with the consistency of this film, that's what I'm saying. The correct amount of violence and gore, it just enhances it all the more. Because, like you said, had they gone over the top, it would have been a, well. All right, that was an ending. Mm -hmm. But no, this is a fucking ending because I don't often care for the endings of films. Right. And this one fucking grabs me hard. It, it, ties, it ties everything up in a bow that we have come to know, but it leaves enough open for us to go, fuck what happened after. And that is the beauty of this film. It, it's, it's just, it, it, it's its own thing. It, I again, I'm loath to call it just a horror film. You know what I mean? I think I think there should be a new like like classification of horror, like art horror or something. I don't. Oh, there know. is. There is. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure because there absolutely is, James. Cool. Because I, I apparently I'm turning into they, that. They refer fucking to guy. it as elevated horror. Uh, apparently, I'm turning that fucking guy. Uh huh. Yeah. So let let's get into the final frames here oh, cool, cool. because the fucking gut punch after all of this absolute mayhem they give us a small caption that says uh before her death uh nim recorded uh like a confessional mm -hmm. where she admits that during her whole time as being this shaman she's never once actually felt possessed the yeah, the, the presence the of Bayan. The presence of Bayan, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
And it adds such a fucking layer to this film when you watch everything that she has done and everything that all of these people have gone through when she just flat out says, yeah, I, I kind of faked it this whole time. Mm-hmm. It was that the impetus for revenge on the entire family. But you see, the thing is that that made sense to me that she was protected by Jan, by Bayan. Only, she was the only one protected by Bayan because she died peacefully in her sleep when she should have been slaughtered by the the Legion of Dead because remember the um, Ming's first uh, when she was on the beach and they were talking to her she said yet I had a vision of a man who uh, cut a off a red, thousand in a, heads in a red loincloth with a red vest and a gigantic sword yes. and he licks the blood from the sword and yeah. we find out that Wiroge, the uh, Noi's husband, yeah. and <clears throat> sorry, Mink's father's family mm-hmm. was responsible for slaughter. Right. So, if I if I'm thinking about just how this has played out, um, God damn it, I forgot her name. Well, now. That's what I was thinking was that she was she was spared a horrible death and died in her sleep. Because she always was faithful to Bayan. Regardless of whether she'd been possessed or not possessed, she did her duty to Bayan. And Bayan apparently respected that by allowing her to die in her sleep rather than... But while Bayan had never occupied her, she still appreciated the faith? Yes. Okay. To, to put it real stupidly. Right. So think about everybody else who died. The people who died were, you know, the guy who was... The guy and his acolytes that were for another guy. It's Santi. That was yeah, Santi. Her, that, that could have just been old blood feud between Bayan and Santi. We don't know. But that could have been part of Bayan's vengeance because she was allowing that to happen in her village because this man, you know, this family had this curse because they did these things. So I, I thought that was really, really neat now that I stop and look at it from the outside. Well, and the sister's rejection... Yes. I, I, that's I, why she died that horrible death. Watch, it. Was I, I allowed to, to stay alive to watch her child die horribly, or not die horribly, but change into something that she could have stopped had she accepted Bayan when she was supposed to. So it, just that, that last statement adds so goddamn much to this film that mm-hmm. it, we could sit here and talk for hours. We're not going to, but oh. it adds such a wrinkle that makes every single thing that you've seen throughout the film... It makes you question everything, mm-hmm. and that is just mwah, chef's kiss. Well, again, I there are so many little, so many little perfect bites in this movie too, where the sound design because you'll notice that the music only comes up in certain points, but for most of the parts where you think there would be soundtrack music, for anything there's nothing. Mm-hmm. But their sound design when there's no music is so intense. And so on point to what's happening on the screen, in, in a way to unnerve you, in a way to just kind of put you ill at ease. And and so when the music's on, that tends to be something more visually starting, startling. When it, it just throws me, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they kept that, and I love that. Man, this is a really really fucking good movie. It, it, you know, I'll tell you, it, it's a great way to put our toe back in because when you initially told me that i had to watch a movie that was two hours and 10 minutes i I took a deep breath and i went okay fuck it because you know that's me we're we're gonna do something we're gonna do it yeah you know but i was like you motherfucker yeah and this is one of those movies that i had watched like not long after it was put on a shutter Mm -hmm. because i was very very interested because it looked you know i you know me, I'm a sucker for found footage and possession, even though I talk shit about every single one of them, mm-hmm. I will still watch them because it, it just gets me. I love them. And I was blown away, except for that one 20-minute chunk that mm-hmm. I think you could easily take out of this film. There's just a little bit of fat. They got a little bit indulgent there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, f- fuck, man. You take some of that out and you would have what I think is almost a flawless film. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, again, I I think what I like most about I, I tend to dislike possession if there's no rules to the possession. Okay, if it could just hop from body to body and fuck you, haha. Mm-hmm. I don't like those kind of possession movies. 
if there's possession for a reason, like a vengeance possession, I'm, I'm down for. If it's uh, a possession where maybe it can be vanquished or not vanquished or, you know, but there's got to be a specific rule to it. I don't like it when it's just like, me, you can't catch me. Mm-hmm. Those, those ones suck. I'm like, what's the point of it? They're, the bad guy's going to win, looking so you can at, have a sequel. Looking at you fallen with Denzel Washington. <laughs> yes. I don't like those, but, you know, again, there has Where to be Where they rules. all sing that stupid-ass Rolling Stones song. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know it's the demon because it sings, Time is on my side. Uh-huh. Get it? Because he's a demon. demon. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I still love that movie. It's dumb as shit, but I love it. <laughs> No, and I think what I like the most about found footage films is because there are so many, in order for one to even catch my interest, again, we talk about how um, limitations force creativity. The amount of just sheer inventiveness, ingenuity, um, justifications for scenes, justifications for the lighting, justifications for the different types of film used. You know, you have to make it work, or it's gonna suck. There, there's, there's no, ha- there's no half measures. No, do I've, it or don't. I, I know, but I've never seen an okay found footage film. I've seen some dog shit ones, and I've seen some great ones, and I've not seen anything in between. So, so I have a just one last question that I have for you, mm-hmm. and again. As you know, and as I just explained, I am a real sucker for found footage, anything movies, really. Uh-huh. Would this have been better as an actual just film? I honestly think that this would have been better. It's They clearly know what they're doing. They're people who know how to use cameras. They know how to do all that shit. I think it, you'll rarely hear me say this. I think this would have been better as just a straight up film. I think... It would have been better as a straight-up film, but we would not have seen it. Maybe, yeah. Okay. So I think that the, you know, I, you know, based on absolutely fucking nothing, except that I know how a lot of foreign films are marketed, and I know a lot of people who want to get to a larger market have to adopt the conceit of another culture, adopt the conceit of another style of movie to get it on the radar. So now it hits an algorithm, found footage film. So now Netflix is taking a look at it now. Shutter's taking a look at it now, such and such, because they added that to it. I think that it would have been a meta movie without the found footage, but I don't think we would have seen it. That's very possible, yeah. So um, I'm glad that it was a found footage film because it somehow, because of that, made it made its way onto my computer and into this discussion. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, again, I, I don't see it making any kind of waves or us even finding it really. Well, fun story is we kind of almost did another film by this filmmaker, a film called the whaling. I was going to say, was it the whaling? Yes. Until we both looked at the runtime of that film. And again, went, I don't have two and a half hours for this because that one's even longer than this. And that's why I was just thinking, man, I wish they could, uh, I don't want to say put the reins on it because I do think this movie is appropriately long. Mm-hmm. It's fine that it's two hours and 10 minutes, but when we're getting into such a market where everything is this long, I, I really want to see them focus a little <coughs> bit more and kind of trim some of the fat because as I have not seen the whaling all the way through, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that that is a holy shit. Where did two and a half hours go? Kind of film. Yeah. Like this movie, I, I again, I, I can't stress enough how rare it is even medicated for me to sit through a movie this fucking long. And when I say that, I say this in retrospect because I didn't realize it was that long while I was watching it. Mm -hmm. Even the first, what I would used to consider the boring part was so well acted, so well filmed, so well framed. The performances are out of this fucking world in this movie. Right. Because they look like regular people being annoyed at family members and going, well, can't you keep your sister okay? She's fucking drinking. You know, what? what's going on? When, to... when Noi goes and gets Minit because he's just singing karaoke at the bar getting hammered. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got a fucking baby at home. What are you doing, you asshole? Let's it, go. Exactly. And, and so you're watching all of these dynamics and wondering what's going to happen at any given point because nothing's clear. 
and I did myself a service for this film because sometimes, like I, I was pressed for time to watch this. <laughs> Fucking, I, I just finally got the rest of the time today to you know to finally watch this, and I forgot my goddamn point. I lost it. Well, wonderful. On that note. Hey, James. Yes. Where can people find us? They can find us on horrorvomitpodcast.com. Man, I, I, that is twice now I have absolutely just shit on the idea of transition. That's all right. Horrorvomit. You know what? Just plow Podcast right through. At like the goddamn snowpiercer.com. I'm going to stick your arm out the goddamn window if you don't shut the fuck up. Be a shoe. This is size 10 chaos. Anyway, uh, we also have an Instagram page. We have a Facebook group. You can come visit us. We'll probably talk to you. You made me snort. Go fuck yourself. Give us a shout. Uh, And also, if you wouldn't mind, any of your podcast players where you can give us any stars or a five-word written review, please do so if you enjoy what we do. It gets the word out. gets our algorithm out there. James is uh, consistently giving me the finger while doing all this. And hey, every once in a while, you can find me on playing video games on the old Twitch at horror underscore vomit underscore Chris. You can see me rolling on the floor, Showtime at the Apollo style laughing. I fucking hate you in the neck, Chris. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'll sleep just fine tonight. Push the button. Well, we should probably say goodbye, you rude bastard. Goodbye, you rude bastard. Thanks, Jeff. We love you. I don't know. I figured I'd try something there. It didn't feel right, but you know. It never does. Yeah, it really doesn't. Especially when it's just a trash human being like Jeff. Yeah, fuck Jeff. Yeah.